Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Pitts Evans. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. Let's get right to the Word of God. In the last chapter, we heard about a man named Job who was righteous and an exemplary, God-fearing man, very wealthy. And then the scene changed, and uh, Satan himself was in the throne room of God and given an account of his actions on earth to the Lord himself. And so the Lord questions Satan and says, um, have you noticed Job? You know, there's nobody like him. He's righteous. He's upright, and uh, etc." And Satan replies to the Lord, if you let me take all of his stuff to destroy all of his possessions, he'll curse you to your face. And so the Lord grants the devil permission to attack Job to test him to see if he will indeed curse God to his face. And ultimately, after terrible tragedy, Job did not curse the Lord. In fact, he worshiped the Lord. And so we're resuming the story now in Job chapter 2. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all that he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliaphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard all about the troubles that had come on him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with Job and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance... They could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him, because they saw how great his suffering was. And so in this second chapter, in this second chapter, we pick up on the second phase of Satan's challenge to the Lord. It's a very strange scene, friends. 
to imagine that Satan and the Lord are having a conversation about a man. But nevertheless, in verse 1, on another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself. So my my working hypothesis in the last chapter was Satan had to give a report to the Lord and what he'd been up to. And so the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Now, just a quick aside. Satan is not omnipresent. That means everywhere at all at the same time. The Lord is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time at the same time. Satan has to move from point A to point B. So if he's at your house, he's not at my house. I hope he's not at either of our houses, but you get get my point. The Lord can be at both places at the same time. In fact, the Lord can be at 8 billion places at one time. Satan can only be localized in one locality at a time. The Lord then said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. And so the Lord is basically saying, you know, you you proposed a test, Satan. You said if I let you destroy his stuff, he would curse me to my face. He has not done so. He still maintains his integrity. He still fears God. He still shuns evil, even though he's lost everything he has. And so Satan's response is a bit surprising, but he basically says, You haven't taken his life from him. Skin for skin, Satan replies. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. In other words, if you make him sick enough, he'll curse you. If you make him think he's got a terminal disease, he'll curse you. And so the Lord grants Satan permission to test him further, but he says you can't take his life. You must spare his life. So right up to the point of death, you can have your way but you can't kill him. Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord, and he afflicts Job with a terrible illness of some sort. The Bible says it involved painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. We don't know what the illness was, but again, the threat of death must have been involved with the illness, because that was Satan's accusation. If out of fear for his life, he'll curse you to your face. Job's wife, unlike Job, loses her faith. She goes to him and says, Job, are you still maintaining your integrity? Go ahead and curse God and die. Interestingly, uh, the devil speaks through Job's wife, saying the same words that he said to the Lord. He will surely curse you and die. And the wife says, go ahead, curse him and die. And so, friends, this doesn't um, mean that all spouses are speaking for the devil. In fact, I think many spouses are, are often speaking for the Holy Spirit. But in this instance, the wife was agreeing with Satan. And Job responded, you're talking like a foolish woman. I'm not going to curse God and die. He says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In other words, trouble comes our way as well as good things come our way. And the Bible says in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now, a change of scenes. We're still in the same chapter, chapter 2. But Job's three friends come on the scene initially to commiserate with him. And so Job's three friends are going to play a large part in the chapters that follow. They're introduced here in verse 11. When Job's three friends, Eliaphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuahite, and Zophar the Namathite, 
heard all about the troubles that had come upon Job, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Now, friends, that was a very good motivation. These three friends got together. They said, we got to go comfort Job and and uh, sympathize with him, commiserate with him, and and uh, encourage our, our friend Job. It goes on to say when they saw him, they could hardly recognize him. He was so distorted from this illness and being broken in his poverty and all of these terrible things that happened to him that when they saw Job, they began to weep aloud. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. And they were say, assumed a position of mourning. Then they sat on the ground with Job for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. They just silently sat there with him to encourage him and uh, bolster his strength a little bit. This, this was all a good approach by these three friends. In my estimation, it was an honorable desire to go and sympathize with Job, uh, to comfort him. They set out very well, and uh, when they saw how terrible his suffering was, they literally wept with sympathy for Job. And so we leave this chapter at that point. But I want to go back to uh, the fact that Job uh, was struck by some kind of illness, and he probably feared for his life. Friends, the fear of death is a very strong factor in every human being's life. In fact, to preserve your life is one of our highest desires. That's one reason suicide seems so unnatural, because we fight hard to preserve our lives. Friends, you may be going through a terrible illness. Whatever struck Job, he did not lose his faith in God. In the next few chapters, we'll see he lost faith in his situation coming out all right, but he still maintained his faith in God. He didn't blame God. So perhaps you've blamed God for some terrible um, illness or some terrible diagnosis you've gotten from a medical professional. Friends, as part of this fallen world, it may not be as a result of a direct satanic challenge over you. But this world that we're in contains trouble, sickness, disease, poverty, all types of things, and ultimately death. And so you must maintain your trust in the Lord, even though things come your way that are not good. And so, Lord, may we still make a profession of faith, no matter what comes our way. May we never curse God. May we never abandon our trust in you. And Lord, for those that are suffering, I do ask for a deliverance from suffering. Lord, ultimately, you delivered Job from all of this suffering. I pray for those that are suffering sickness, those that are suffering financial hardship, those that are suffering the loss of uh, friends and family members. You're the God of all comfort. Bring comfort, healing, and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.